Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in. This is Lock It In with Cam Rogers right here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. And we have a big time professional here on the program, a friend of mine. Can't wait to catch up with him right here on the show. Kofi Yaboa, producer and content creator. You can follow him on Twitter at Kofi, K-O-F-I-E. He is a good follow. What's going on, man? I'm doing all right. Life is life is great. Um, just kicking at secret base, have some extra gigs here and there. It's just been, it's just been really fun all around. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about your professional life here. Obviously our friendship generated from going to the university of Maryland, but we haven't talked too much since then. And so I kind of want to hear how things are going. Obviously I see you on social and uh, all that jazz. Yeah. So I, so when I graduated 2017, you are a speaker. Yes. You were our speaker, yes. Yes. I graduated 2017 and I worked social media for SB Nation for about two years. Um, in 2018, I started my own YouTube channel um, where it was called Kofi Y. I did that for a year because I really wanted to be on the video team at SB Nation. Mm. So after a year, they were recruiting me and said that. Uh, John Boyd is getting his own little video team and it's going to be you and Alex Rubenstein. And I said, oh, yes, absolutely. So then John and I started getting cooking and we decided to come up with a show called Fumble Dimension, where we try to break sports video games. It's kind of like that we make the Twilight Zone, but for video games, where it's a long kind of narrative 30 to 40 minute uh, video game experiment. So I've been doing that since, wow, June of 2019. And since then, we've made about 10 episodes and more are definitely on the way. Yeah, that seems to be a big part of your brand, playing retro video games. And it's so interesting how people just love watching that stuff. And it makes sense. I mean, you see the growth with esports and what have you, right? And it makes a lot of sense because sports, the sports video game landscape now is really kind of bare bones compared to what it was back in the past. You know, if you go to a lot of the old EA sports games from before 2010, you see all these series and they had these features, they were experimenting, they were trying to add and subtract new things. And at this point, now that we're in this kind of modernized console kind of thing, there is a lot of just we want to make as much money as possible. We want to do these um, loot boxes. We want to do these pay to win kind of strategies. And it's easy to go back into these older games where those didn't exist, where people, where these games were just made with like, they were action packed with all these different uh, features and modes. And so sometimes when you want to play a game mode that doesn't exist anymore, you have to go back to these mm-hmm. older games. So, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned how the landscape has changed. And I'm just thinking about NFL Blitz, right? And was it Slugfest, the baseball game that you could punch the guys and all that? Yeah, I think people so. love Slugfest. those games. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have that anymore. Yeah, you don't really. Um, you have like a couple. But they're like in they're the 
the tier between them of terms of like how many people play them is like so far apart where it's not like commonly known but it's like oh you can also play this game we'll get your thoughts on your favorite retro games later here in the program i want to touch upon how you have rapidly grown your social media i want to ask you in the sense that it's really cool and also i want to learn from you so tell me about you know just the proliferation of your brand kofi overall Okay, so TikTok, so sorry, I'll start with Twitter, actually. Yeah. Uh, Twitter, I think that story starts with about 2015, 2016, where um, I didn't really go out as much in terms of, like, compared to, like, freshman, sophomore year. My junior year, I was kind of just, like, staying home. And then I was like, okay, let me take Twitter a little bit more seriously because I had under 1,000 followers on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I was, and they were all, they were all like friends from high school or friends from college (laughs) and it was all okay. So then I learned how to make memes. And I know that saying that you learned how to make memes is not really that like, it's weird. It's like, how do you learn how to make, you just do them. Right. Um, And I learned Photoshop. So I learned how to like make these like special memes where you'd have like sports characters yelling. You'd put like the Dragon Ball Z uh super saiyan uh hair over them or just certain things like that simple memes that like i realized that those kind of traveled further and the more the more i made those the more i kind of got recognized for that kind of thing and also just like asking a lot of questions on twitter at first there was um there are these like threads these question threads and whenever i'd ask them they would go like super viral and that's where I got a lot most of my followers then and after that it was just like trying new things always switching things up you know it's been six seven years so the stuff that I tried in 2015 2016 people are probably would be tired of right so it's all about like adjusting adapting and then just like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks really well I think it's timing too right when you throw up these oh, memes there is timing to it of course yeah yeah, there's always this, um, you know, how in breaking news, you, right. you always want to, I mean, a lot of people either want to be the first or the first accurate, you know, <laughs> and in memes, it's whoever's the first with the best joke, it will travel, the, usually travel the farthest, or sometimes everybody like thinks the same joke, but whoever's the fastest to that joke, that will travel like the farthest. So it's also like that kind of timing um the quick on the draw that i've been able to learn because i use twitter on my computer mostly so it allows me to just like copy like any image i want from google directly on the twitter desktop client um whereas if you use your phone it's a little bit like slower so though even though even that like window of opportunity it's like so small but it, it does matter and I'm sure that you've noticed people out there trying to do the same thing you are doing, right? Who can be the funniest in this moment? It's almost like an arms race, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there, there are some, there are people that are like even, like even better than me at this. Like, there's Josiah Johnson who has like just a yeah, Rolodex, he's a Rolodex. King Josiah fifty four. He has just a Rolodex of like hilarious memes and stuff like that. And you know, all these brands are starting to become more aware and start to hire people that are really in touch with like good tweets, good memes, having a good pulse on what people are talking about and just having a pulse on what's cool. Um, And I think that that goes to um, the brands that have the awareness of being like, okay, if we want our content, we first need to get the attention of 
the entire uh, big group that is the Twitter sphere. You know, it's so interesting seeing the proliferation of Twitter and personalities and how you can just make one out of yourself. And that's the beauty of that platform, along with others like TikTok, which, by the way, when I watch TikTok and you on it, I've never told you this. I laugh out loud. I think you're hilarious (laughs) because you're like a not loud funny. Like, I don't like loud funny. I like, you know, David Spade, like calm, like, you know. Deadpan funny, I think is the phrase. Um, dry sense of humor. And that's also been me throughout my entire content creation space. Yeah. Like when I make a fumble dimension, I'm not out here yelling. <laughs> I, and that, cause that's not me in terms of a creator space. Now, if, if I'm at like a karaoke night, I might be like yelling or like having, like laughing out loud or whatever. But that's because I'm like, I'm like organically enjoying the company of my friends and the like the the environment, right? right? Whereas if I'm alone in my house, I'm not going to just yell because that just feels uncomfortable to be. Because I'm like, who am I yell? Who am I doing this for? This is not who <laughs> I usually am. So I kind of have just been like, okay, this is who I am. I'm going to just be like, okay, we don't need to yell. As long as I get my point across, people will understand. Maybe they'll think it's funny. Maybe they think it isn't and i'm not saying i'm not again talking down on like the energetic creator where it's right. like oh this is the best thing ever like that that enthusiasm is also necessary like that enthusiasm is also like there is a demographic there is people that want to feel excited about every and anything it's just that i can't do that because i just feel so awkward it's not you it's not it me either me. really no. yeah. yeah i feel that uh, i want to talk to you about just the growth overall of the sports media space. Of course, we went to Philip Merrill College of Journalism. You know, I think the path that the education system there put you on was obviously hard news or hard sports news, going to a local TV station and working your your way up. And obviously, we learned, you know, since then that you can kind of be entrepreneurial like you are in regards to creating your own brand and not necessarily going the local TV news route, but maybe the digital route or something like that. And so, you know, thinking back to 2017, Kofi, I mean, things have changed big time. Things have changed so much. Things were changing when we were even in college. Yeah. And if you think about it, you know, um, and I remember, you know, growing up, you know, you would think about ESPN or maybe Fox Sports. And by the time we got to college, there were so many other new sites that kind of blossomed into what they are now, you know, right? Like a Bleacher Report, like a SB Nation. Like, I wasn't gonna, as a kid, as a four year old kid, I wasn't gonna be like, oh, I wanted to write for Bleacher Report or SB Nation because that didn't exist yet, you know. And then with the um, explosion of the Athletic, uh, the Players Tribune, there are all these new up and come. There are all these new sites that just show up. And then, you know, you have Defector now. You have, I work at Secret Base. That didn't exist when I was in college. So that's another thing where it's the, it's good that there are all these outlets that are being able now to find support in a non-traditional route. And I think that the Merrill College has done a great job of adapting that in mm-hmm. terms of like fixing and changing because, you know, they hired... Um, They've hired some of our former classmates to like come back and teach, um, which is really good self-awareness because, you know, this landscape is always rapidly changing and whatever and whatnot. Um, 
so you know it's it's not the usual like you work at the same place for 40 years at the same paper and then that's Certainly. it no yeah. that's not that's not mm, that's not really like what's happening anymore but the change means that there's always these new and fresh and exciting things that are popping up and it's always going to peak interest because people always want sports news they and and there's always going to be sports news to be looked at or sports media or sports entertainment or some form because that's always going to be around. It's so interesting. And it's what makes me excited about the sports betting space in particular and my latching on to that and becoming a voice, you know, on TV and radio as somebody to have on to talk about betting and golf betting and what have you. So I'm really excited about that. You're really excited about, you know, the interest in retro video games and memes and the great content that you put out there. It's so great to see everybody in our class really latch on to that, but also do fantastically in the typical TV radio space as well. So I Absolutely. mean, there is a yeah. path for everybody. There's no doubt about it. All right, let's pivot. Let's talk about your Bengals here, my man. Down. Truth be told, <laughs> truth be told, when I first got to know you, I think one of the first things was the fact that you were a Bengals fan. And I was like, who the hell is this kid? Where is he oh, from, man. Cincinnati? Um, so they started no. off pretty good, right? And they beat my Baltimore Ravens. And so I was thinking, okay, this is legit. And then they go ahead and lay an egg in East Rutherford, New Jersey against the Jets, Kobe. What do we they, make of this squad? I have no idea how good the Bengals are. Okay. I, I have looked like game by game. It is just incredibly, when they blew out the Ravens, I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is like, I was not expecting this. I was expecting a usual, you know, AFC, like 19 to 17, somehow the sure, score yeah. is that like kind of matchup. But then the Bengals didn't falter in the second half. And I thought that that was a turning point because watching those first couple of games where the Bengals kind of eked out a win, it was kind of really stressful because, you know, Zach Taylor just raises your blood pressure when you, when you watch him. And then... I was about to be like, okay, we are, I think we're like five and two or five and something. And then we're like, okay, we're about to get six. AFC supremacy. Like that was the narrative. Right. And it was like, okay. (laughs) And you know, and you know, the AFC North, there is zero margin for error in the AFC North. Like there was that tie, that Steelers Lions tie is going to be important. And you just know it because you've seen in the past where all these ties where it's like, oh, nine, seven, and it's like nine, six and one. Okay. We're in the playoffs, whatever. But then losing not only to the Jets, but to Mike White. It was his debut, right? His like starting debut. He gives up we and we it's like a I think he threw for over four hundred passing yards on us. It was and you just look at the game and you're like, what happened? Are you kidding me? And then the Browns, it looks like they're all in like in dire straits, right? Yeah. They get rid of OBJ. All OBJ and Baker aren't doing well. There's a drama. Nope, we get blown out by them too. Like it's like a I do not know. I know the ceiling of this team. I just do not know if they're going to live up to it. And especially in the AFC North where everybody can beat this is literally a division where everybody can beat everybody and yeah we're gonna cannibalize each other in this yeah yeah and it's like whoever gets to nine wins first like probably will be fine but like and now that the the playoffs um the playoff seats have expanded right yep they 
there's a potential that three AFC North teams could make the playoffs. Like that's possible because all these teams are pretty good, but we do spend each other, we spend a lot of time beating up on each other, but you know, I, I hold out hope. And I think that I want to see this as an overachievement. I see this because I don't think we expected this quick of a turnaround and that people were like taking the Bengals a little bit more seriously than we were just like, Oh, two or three more years, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase will like, get their chemistry back. No, they got it back right away. Mm-hmm. And we, of course, we have some O-line issues to discuss, but like these weapons, the weapons that are being brought up right now, I'm I'm, I'm more than satisfied with that. I'm more than satisfied with them, honestly. Yeah, the skill position right now for the Bengals, fantastic. Joe Mixon, T. Higgins down the line, Jamar Chase, of course. So Joe yeah. Burrow is the guy, obviously. I'm sure you can yes. agree with that. You seem to me to be a very rational Bengals fan. You're not a homer by any means. It seems like to a degree you have very low expectations every single season and you hope to be surprised. I, I think I've, I, uh, I've loved that about me since I've gotten to college because I know that, I don't know if you knew this, but when I grew up in North Carolina, I was a Duke fan because okay. my dad went to college. My dad went to Duke. And I, when I got to Maryland, I did not know that like Maryland was like Duke is our number one rival. I didn't know that. I because Duke always is like, oh, North Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest, we gotta focus on it. Now Duke and Maryland always had great games, but then, you know, like it was back to North Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest. So when I got to University of Maryland, I was like, Yeah, I used to I, I was a Duke fan, and then everyone was like, Ooh, and I was like, Okay, let me just give this up so duke basketball was the only like real team where i was like really biased because i had to win like lunch table arguments you know he went to school with carolina nc state fans but like my other teams i didn't care about i was like okay yeah you know the pistons are gonna win 29 games today and then 21 29 games this season that's fine we are we are constantly rebuilding the Bengals, you know yeah but Mm -hmm. like and then um, the Mets, you know, it's like, wait till July, wait till after the All-Star break, the collapse is come. like, you know what, if you know the inevitable, you're not going to just like be like, oh, no, this time's going to be different because the right. more you just learn all over and over. So, yeah, Duke basketball is the only one where I was like irrational sports fan. But then after that, I just like dropped Duke basketball and was just like, OK, I'm a Maryland basketball fan now. So now it's more of a more of a level like. right yeah just equilibrium baseline normal it's all good you know it's interesting you talk about duke you know i came from new hampshire to go to the university of maryland so i had in theory a year to develop this hatred for duke which i never really did i didn't really understand it because like it almost felt manufactured in a way because like duke didn't think of us that way as you were saying so right i mean it seems like a bit of a stretch for us to think about it that way because they don't think about it the same way we do. So I don't know. It was always a funky thing. Then we went to the big 10 and that was that. I think it took, I think it took, um, it took like maybe three weeks for me to get it. It took three weeks for me to get it in terms. No, sorry, not three weeks. It took uh, the last ACC Maryland Duke when it went to like the last shot. Yeah. And for a lot of Maryland fans, I saw the, like the anger because that was, Maryland fans knew that that was the last Maryland Duke basketball matchup that they were going to like have scheduled like 
potentially forever. Mm -hmm. I don't know if like when Coach K goes, they'll probably like maybe schedule them again. Who knows? But like Duke hasn't played. I don't think Duke has played them in the ACC Big Ten Challenge yet. Um, And that's like a big deal. And that seems like a kind of targeted thing. But I, I do understand. But like also Maryland doesn't really have I don't I don't really know who Maryland's like biggest rival is, honestly. We've been like searching Penn. since we entered the Big Ten. Like Penn State. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. But like then there's Rutgers, then there's like, you know, it's just I feel like all of these Big Ten rivalries have been cemented so far that this is just way too fresh, way too new. Maybe like in the decades to come, you right. will have will have like a solid one, but well, I want to stay on that theme since we're talking about Maryland right now and ask you about Maryland football, which let's be real, has been a punchline for as long as we can remember. And so the typical thing happens. We start 4-0, right? Yeah. And then we get throttled by Iowa. And then yeah. we've won one game since. So we're probably going to beat Rutgers and then get bowl eligible. So that's great. But like, yeah. we're just stuck in neutral, it seems. Yeah, and it's like the it's the cycle because you know maryland does this thing where you know we always we beat howard by like 70 points yeah it's like a that is a tradition unlike any other <laughs> beat howard by 70 points and then because i remember iowa people thought that this was the year i had a lot we had a lot of alumni a lot of our former classmates to be like oh this is my first maryland home game since i graduated because they were they really really believed in um that this was the season you know Mm -hmm. and you know getting throttled by Iowa with like multiple interceptions it just reminds us that like no matter how much we try no matter how many fancy new facilities we build on campus no matter like how much money it just seems like we're just stuck behind these big 10 like football programs because I feel like we're we're a basketball school that tries to be a football school so much (laughs) and it's really wild like it's really like I when I was when we were there I was like I don't know why all this like focuses on football when our soccer team is the most fun experience at Maryland it's the most fun fan experience like by far yeah and then then you have basketball which is like oh this is great and then like football we had a thing where we all everyone like left at halftime no matter what the score was that was the tradition right there that halftime, was, that's, a, that's a known thing if that's yeah. a known thing that's I I'm so sorry but and Van Pelt gets mad about it, but it's like, Scott, I mean, we need to we put have, a better product on the field first for people to want to stay. I understand have, like diehard loyalty and all that, but people have studying or going to the bars to do, I guess. Yeah, we have bars to go to. We yeah, have- <laughs> we're rolling a bench. It's Saturday. I, I want to enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Instead of watching whatever's happening on the football field. Uh, want to quickly get to some general NFL storylines here. I want to ask you about the return of Cam Newton, because this seems like a really interesting intersection happening here for the Carolina Panthers, where maybe they're starting to turn the tide and become a contender again at the beginning of the year. It seems like they were, and then Sam Darnold started to be Sam Darnold again. And then in comes Cam Newton, and he did his thing last week in an upset victory over the Arizona Cardinals. Sounds like he's going to start this week against Washington. So he's back. What do you think about the Panthers this year? You know, I, I'm so happy that Cam Newton is back. It's just something about Cam Newton in that Panthers jersey that is just like, yes. It looks right, it. doesn't it? it? Oh, it looks so right. It's yeah. just like, you know, and it's good to see him, like, come home. And it's good to see that they were, like, they were welcoming him home, you know. It was, 
the the New England year was odd because you know it was just a lot in flux you know and then it goes to you know the Patriots draft a quarterback Cam um for health it reasons doesn't want to uh he got he got like the Patriots made the right choice don't get me wrong it was just like a there's too much attention to it. the Patriots definitely made the right choice and you know it's just being like Mac it's it's your time yeah so you know Cam gets time to like get right and then he's waiting for an opportunity and now he's in a place where like he knows the he knows the arena he knows the area maybe he feels more at home you know it's a new coach new new coach probably probably I had to guess new new system it's not like the old Ron Rivera cam do stuff like mm-hmm. kind of thing you know hopefully off it's script kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully it's a new kind of like thing so I mean it's a couple of like a couple of games get him get his feet wet you know and I think that I don't know the NFC South standings right now but I have well to- yeah I think the Saints are right behind the Bucks right now uh, it's pretty oh, log yeah. jammy though like it's pretty yeah. tight I mean, there's there's a potential there so yeah we'll see what happens interesting yeah. division indeed uh going to the afc here the chiefs patrick mahomes what did you make of mahomes's early season struggles or at least turnovers shall we say and what you saw on sunday night against the raiders because people are saying the chiefs are back are they back i think that you know it just took maybe it was just like some new stuff I just like maybe Patrick Mahomes was just trying like new things or like trying to adjust, you know, he's always been that very experimental kind of player. And, you know, maybe he changes, maybe he doesn't, but like his, over his long career, uh, over like, if you look at the, all of his career, like the experiments have worked, like the experimental stuff has worked, throw left-handed, throw a no-look pass, like it's usually worked in the past, it looks, it looks so cool. And, you know, the first couple of games, it didn't. And the Chiefs also had some, like, defensive issues. Um, So I think that Mahomes has kind of gotten a little bit more calculated. And he hasn't – I feel like he has stopped trying to do too much. Like, I don't – I don't, like – but that – I think that Mahomes, like, a calculated Mahomes, but also with the, like, making the throws that only he can make – I think there was maybe just a level of like Mahomes thinking that he could do everything all the time because of course mistakes are going to happen, but right. like, that's the, like, that's the, uh, that's the price you pay for like trying to like do the unthinkable, you know, like we Favre used to do that. That's why sure. he has like Favre had so many interceptions, but it also paid off really well. Um, Mahomes is that same way. And I think that they'll probably hit, they'll probably get like, they'll be right by the time it's like necessary, you know, like, I don't think they're like really scared. Like if I know that, if you know, the chiefs, you know, they had like multiple comeback victories in their super bowl run. Like they, they're, I don't think they're really phased by this. Yeah. And they're always in it because you could have Mahomes throw the football 55 times and you have a shot. Right. So yeah. that's the thing and, with them. And you have so much speed all, all around. Like yeah. I knowing if a team that knows that they can turn it on or like, that they have the potential to turn it on at any time is like so dangerous. Yeah. And it certainly looks like they are turning it on right now. We'll see what happens for the rest of the season with them. 
All right, we teased it earlier in the show, Kofi. You're obviously a big video game guy. I'm a big nostalgia guy. Next week is one of my favorite weeks of the year, Thanksgiving week and all that good stuff. Get to see everybody from home. So the task for you, your top five retro video games, you can go ahead and just rattle them off if you want. I'm really curious about this. Do they have to be sports? Do not have to be sports. Okay, let's see here. Uh, we're going to go with, uh, you know, we're going to put a Mario Kart in there. It's going to be Double Dash. Okay. Be Mario Kart Double Dash. If we're going to do a baseball game, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to do ESPN MLB 2K5. Okay. I think that, you know, everyone goes with MVP baseball. That's know, what I was thinking. Like also, but espn i just played espn mlb 2k5 yesterday and i realized that i had put so much time into that the pitching mechanics in that the presentation the color commentary oh it's just ooh, it's just such a good game um for football we're gonna go with you know espn nfl 2k5 as well um so that's three so no madden wow all right uh i will put a i'll put madden 2007 in there okay madden if we're going football madden 2007 the soundtrack all the game modes and you had the the highlight stick it was just like perfect um i remember i used to well there's also also the wii version was not bad either like i didn't have i had like both versions the wii version actually like wasn't bad um okay so my last one i gotta go with a, a basketball game here let's go with uh, we're gonna go with NBA. Lo- no, sorry. Let's see, NBA Ballers. I'm gonna go ballers. NBA Ballers. Yeah. What NBA year is ballers. that? Oh, it's a. Uh, I think it's 2000 and 2006. 2006. Okay. Um, and it was a very fun game. It was like, it was like NBA Street, but if it was just like one on one half court. And it's a really, really, really great rendition. You could, there's so much replay value in that game. I can go back and play it, have a great old time. Um, <laughs> one of the best, one of the best and most complete um, basketball games. Double Dash instead of N64, huh? Okay. I don't, I never played N64. Oh, I never okay. Had one. Right. That's why, that's why I remember, that's why I emailed you. I was like, yeah, I think we might need to, I don't have an N64. Let's switch up I've the topic. Had it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, N64, I'd be like, go deny. I've never played it. But like, it's like certain games, it's like, um, you know, I never, my first console was a regular Xbox. Okay. That was my first console. So I was maybe like 2004, 2005. I was 10. And I was, of course, I was, a, I'm an only child. So that was like the first time like I had to buy like get a console bought for me. It wasn't like a my older brothers had an N sixty four or SNES or anything like that. So I do need to get well versed in um, those older consoles. There are two um, video game shops, three video game shops in New York that I I can go to that have these consoles. But you know, they're, the prices are going to run a little bit high because they're rare. So yeah, absolutely. In fact, I splurged for an N sixty four in the peak of the pandemic not too long ago and uh, oh wow yeah haven't uh, played much of it lately so it's one of those impulse purchases <laughs> collecting oh, yeah, dust we, oh we had all we all had those yeah, yeah there's no no shame in that yeah that's exactly purchase. that's a great purchase yeah you know eventually i'm gonna want to dabble a little bit when i'm bored or something like that you know absolutely so, all right so obviously you know this is a betting show 
And so I have to ask you, do you have any best bets here for this weekend? Perhaps something on the Bengals, maybe in the NBA. Let me know what you have. I, Dude, I'm telling you right now, I am so like not well-versed in like the betting. I want to learn so much more. Like they're like, I'm trying to like the And you'll be even more correct than me. Yeah. <laughs> it won't even matter. All right. What what are you what are your best bets? How about we do that and I'll see if I agree. Okay. How about that? Yeah. I'll uh, give a couple because I'm gonna give them all in a separate episode. So I don't wanna tell ah, the audience okay, everything. Okay, okay. But I will say that I like the Carolina Panthers minus three and a half against the Washington football team. I think the Panthers can easily win that game by seven points, eight points. Washington played well against Tampa Bay, but we know how in- inconsistent they can be. Washington is one and four against the spread in their last five games. You've got Cam and McCaffrey together. I think it's going to be fantastic. So I think they cover in that one. I like the Bills minus seven against the Indianapolis Colts. The Bills looked great against the Jets a week ago. And the Colts really don't do anything amazing. So I don't know if they can keep pace with Buffalo's offense. So those are a couple plays there. Let me know what you think. I, I do like the idea of Cam and McCaffrey like being together. I think they only got like a glimpse of that when they were um, playing together back in back before Cam left. Yeah. Um, I do really like that. I think that the Panthers are going to beat the Washington football team by more than a field goal. I believe that this is the, like the beginning of a turn of the like a turn of events for uh, the Panthers, and I think that the Washington football team. I think that like, you know, they're going to ride high and probably take their foot off the gas when they see the Panthers. A letdown. Because they, they just beat the Bucks. Yeah. You know? And also it's the Washington football team. Like nothing good happens in two weeks in a row. So, Right. You're asking too much there. By yeah. the way, the Bengals are minus one favorites on the road against the Raiders. Where are you going with that one? I'm going to take that. I'm going to take the Bengals. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to have that. I, right. I, I believe in I believe in some good this this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, the Raiders have enough distractions right now, so yes. who knows how they're even going to play a football game? Like, it's pretty impressive that they even are out there competing with what's going on. So, yeah, I think the Bengals can bounce back this week, no doubt about it. Kofi Aboa joining Lock It In with Cam Rogers, producer and content creator. Check him out. A fantastic follow at Kofi K O. F-I-E. Kofi, thank you so much, man, for taking some time, catching up. Hope to uh, chat with you soon. Of course. Thanks for having me. Always a great time. Always. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube